So it's time to break out your big box of isobars. Here's Andre. Welcome to Weather Jazz and happy Monday, everybody. This is a world audience podcast about anything and everything. Weather, science, earth science, and periodically some off-topic episodes that for no other reason I find interesting and I'm always hoping, and it's my goal, to make everything that you hear on this podcast very, very interesting. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz podcast, Andre Bernier. I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is episode number 287 for Monday, January the 24th, 2022. Well, we're almost in the home stretch of the winter of 2021-2022. Obviously, we have taken quite a turn if you live anywhere east of the Rockies where we've essentially dipped into a very, very cold pattern. And periodically, we've had a number of storms along that jet stream, which has spread quite a bit of snow in places. And that has at least brought some of the deficits down. And in some cases, we are looking at a surplus of snowfall for the year in various cities in the eastern United States. So this is going to be a very, very good place for us to take a little bit of a winter breather. And let's look at some of the long-range elements. So far, what went right with the winter forecast and what went wrong and why we can always learn from that. And of course, eventually, we'll take a look at some of the clues that wait us for the rest of January into February and perhaps even a sneak peek into March. Now, I mentioned on Friday, Open Line Friday, that I would be having Scott Sable as my guest, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. Let's listen to the conversation that I enjoyed with Scott to talk about the long-range parameters, again, what went right, what went wrong, and what we can anticipate moving forward to the rest of this winter. Here's our conversation. Hey, Scott. Good to have you on Weather Jazz. Andre, it's a pleasure. Thanks again for having me on. It's been a man. It's been a weird week here, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but most of it revolving around the big snow that we got uh, on uh, Monday. The mm-hmm. uh, what day was it? it? Was Monday the seventeenth? Yep, one week ago uh, today on the release date because we'll be releasing this on Monday. Correct, meteorological Monday. So it was a kooky, crazy period. I ended up with twenty-one point two inches measured in novelty. And yep. uh, we had some some backyards that ended up with 28 inches. Yeah. Yeah. I had about 10 at my house in Medina. Um, you go to the western half of the county and there was about five. You go right along the county line into Summit County and there was, you know, a foot, 13 inches of snow. Mm-hmm. All right. So this has been a very interesting winter thus far. Long range forecasting. It is what it is. So we try to capture the flavor of the winter. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we often will get into a little bit of trouble when we try to add specifics, like break it down month by month. But uh, people like to see what we're thinking month to month. So we did. And we gave Mm -hmm. them a bonus month uh, when we started this whole thing off. And that was the month of November. Spot on. Got November right. So that's good. (laughs) But December, it all fell apart because we anticipated, yeah, a a very, very cold, uh, snowy December. And that uh, seems to have translated ahead 30 days. That's the phase we're in right now in uh, January. So Mm -hmm. what went wrong in December? Well, what happened was, um, we'll go back to November. November was all over the place, up and down, below normal temps. We had a lot of precip. It was a rainy Thanksgiving. We had some snow flurries on November 2nd. So like you were saying, it looked like the pattern now was setting the stage for a, a December that was very similar, but probably colder with more snow. But what happened was, and we started seeing the signs of this around Thanksgiving, that the ridge, there was a huge ridge of high pressure mm-hmm. in the Northern Pacific. And the position of that ridge um, dictates a lot, dictates the pattern in North America. And so the position of that ridge uh, was kind of over the Aleutian Islands, maybe around the internet, a little bit east of the international dateline. And we started seeing signs of that around that time, uh, around Thanksgiving, thinking, okay, this is going to be an interesting start. Well, everything is pointing to the first probably 15 to 18 days of December being pretty warm. Hmm, this is going to be interesting. Does this have some staying power? Well, there's the ridge. And then you also had the MJO, the Madden-Julian Oscillation, going into phase seven, which strongly correlates to warmer eastern half of the country. So I'm like, okay, well, there's another clue. The SOI, the Southern Oscillation Index, was the other clue around Thanksgiving, which was strongly pointing to a warm first 15 to 18 days of December. I'm thinking, oh, boy, there's three clues right here. This is going to be interesting. So... So the clues, the seeds were being planted. You get into December, December 7th, December 8th. The SOI was also starting to show signs, actually around Thanksgiving too, but more so in early December, that we might have a couple of cold fronts that might come through in the middle of the month. How, you know, what are the day-to-day details on that we didn't know? You know, what ended up happening was the big tornado outbreak on December 11th. Mm -hmm. So there was a cold front that was, you know, there were some seeds of that planted two and three weeks out before. So that, that, that set the stage. What happened was too, in December, you had the, all those components, but looking back, the magnitude of the amplitude of the MJO in phase seven was the strongest on record in December and January when you look back to the late 1940s. Wow. So not only was mm. the amplitude of the MJO off the charts, mm-hmm. you also had that ridge in the Northern Pacific, which was also the strongest ridge ever recorded uh, in the Northern Pacific. So you had both of these Uh, Both of these components kind of feeding one another. And it's like putting a big rock in the stream. Unless you move that rock, the water's going to, you know, it's going to take a a, a different direction. And unfortunately for us with our winter weather outlook, it stayed mild most of the month of December. Right. It it was really a very unmemorable December, especially for anybody wanting a white Christmas, nearest white Christmas was in the Adirondacks of New York, which uh, really is a bit of a surprise that uh, they Mm -hmm. were able to hang on to the snow, given the pattern. Uh, But at least it was less than a 12-hour drive away for anybody who wanted snow for Christmas. But, uh, well, here we are in January, 
And uh, to use your analogy, someone took the rock out of the way in the, <laughs> in the, in the winds aloft stream. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened around Christmas time, we started, the models are picking up on that ridge, but the ridge was start. Now everything was starting to get loosened up, right? The ridge started moving up over the Bering Sea, up into Eastern Siberia, over the Arctic Circle. The models were picking up on this thing moving mm -hmm. from, and again, we were looking around Christmas Eve through like the first week to 10 days of January. So, you know, you were seeing that pattern. The SOI was also showing signs that, hey, you know what? The log jam is finally broke. We're going to start to see instead of that ridge, you're going to see low pressure systems undercutting that ridge coming off of Eastern Asia and then filling in the void where that ridge was between like the Aleutian, well, really where the ridge was and, and Hawaii. And what happened was you could see the seeds and I'm using this, using this analogy more and more. So I pardon me if I'm being redundant, but the seeds were sown around Christmas for the big snow that we had on January 17th. You could kind of see the uh, low pressure started forming in the area where the ridge was the pattern started shifting across the eastern half of the country. And so around Christmas time, we started thinking, OK, January is going to be an active month. The panhandle type storm systems, east to west storm systems would start or west to east storm systems would become more frequent. Mm -hmm. And the chances of somebody getting blasted with snow would start to go up. And uh, of course, we all know what happened one week ago with, right. uh, with uh, quite a massive uh, system that uh, dumped a lot of snow now. The the sharp cutoff on the and this was something that was very easily predicted because we had that Arctic cold, dense, dry Arctic high mm -hmm. that was literally going to slice the the western edge so that we went from maybe an inch or two to suddenly twenty in a fifty mile span and right. uh, so that that sharp cutoff kind of found its way almost right in the middle. At Hopkins Airport, so Hopkins Airport didn't get the twenty. They they picked up you know eight nine inches or so, and it dug away at a twenty inch deficit without a doubt. But they're still in a deficit. Akron, oh, huge. Mm -hmm. Akron Canton though is at least as of yesterday uh, still toying with a little bit of a surplus uh, mm -hmm. in in their bucket, and they have more snow for the year so far than Hopkins airport by eight, nine inches. And I'm going to have to go back and see the last time in late January that Akron had more snow than Hopkins. That that's, I'm going to make a note of that because mm -hmm. that's, that's really interesting. You know, you figure it would be someplace North, but that's what happens. You know, these, these systems, you can get a sharp cutoff. Really the snow that we had here, when you look at more than 50% of the <clears throat> of Northern Ohio, having more than a foot of snow on the ground, I don't think that's happened here since maybe 2008, 2009, right. maybe, yes. you know, we had a lot of those big, big, you know, one day snows back then more than a decade ago. And I bet you it's been about that, that, that mm -hmm. long, easy. It has been a while since uh, since I can remember, uh, you know, having to shovel this much snow, even in Geauga County, mm -hmm. um, waking up early Monday morning at uh, 520 Monday morning a week ago and measuring exactly 16 inches. Fortunately, we've got a new Toro snow thrower with a 16 inch bite uh, vertical. So, I mean, it wow. was literally right at the very top and it took a long time to cut through everything in our driveway. Um, so I'm, I'm glad we had something that was, was able to handle it, albeit right. 
at its limit without much doubt. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is the time of year, too, where we, we remember the big um, uh, the big blizzard of 78, which I believe was on the 25th of January. And back in 78, you know, January 19th, 1994 was the coldest day on record here in northern Ohio. Mm-hmm. So you get into late January, you start getting into these historic weather events, uh, whether it's snow, whether it's cold. Um course i remember both of those i remember you know i know we're kind of getting off topic here but 1994 i remember you doing your live shot in the front yard in 94 when Mm -hmm. that happened um so um but you know that kind of dovetails into the temperatures right now you know we're now in a pattern you know post big snow where we're consistently cold i mean normal high now is around 34 35 degrees and you know right now as of uh us talking about this on monday here uh, on the 25th we've already had you know a week's worth of below normal temps and this might you know continue what's interesting is that you know everybody was talking about the polar vortex you know that was kind of the catchphrase over the last decade or so and i think part of our outlook was the polar vortex we were kind of hoping would become dislodged become unstable and looking back that ridge over the northern Pacific, the MJO in phase seven, prevented the propagating of waves up into the atmosphere, which eventually, you know, could, again, potentially break down the polar vortex. But it prevented that from happening. You had a lot of troughiness over the Ural Mountains in Eurasia, which, again, keeps the polar vortex strong. You had all of these components working against us. Um, and I don't want to say we're running out of time because a lot of times when the polar vortex gets, gets dislodged and becomes unstable, usually it's three and four weeks down the road before we really start, like what happened last February, mm-hmm. right? It was mid-February of the cold uh, when we had all that, 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 that severe cold. But it's going to be an interesting time here. You know, the end of January, I think this pattern here uh, does have some staying power. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see whether or not this has staying power deeper into February. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, this is going to be a good point uh, at which mm-hmm. to take a break. Sure. And when we come back, we'll go ahead and give you some uh, forethoughts on what we think may happen in the future. Naturally, we are going to unveil our uh, second half of the winter forecast on Fox 8 this week, I believe on Thursday night. And uh, we'll give you a hint as to what we're thinking as we're putting all of the puzzle pieces together. So stick around after the break. We'll take a look ahead, which a lot of people are interested in. Okay, let's pick up where we left off and get back to the conversation that I enjoyed with Scott Sable on our winter thus far and what we can anticipate going forward. Okay, Scott, we're back, and uh, a lot of people obviously are interested in knowing everything that we've been talking about here, focusing on the past. What kind of impact does that have going forward for the rest of the winter and maybe even into springtime? Now, everything's moved over about 30 days. Does that mean that we take everything that we forecasted at the beginning of the winter pattern, do we move it ahead 30 days? Is it going to now hold water or is it going to hold ice? What is it going to hold? <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think we can necessarily, you know, shift everything forward 30 days, you know, verbatim. However, 
Um, I still think we got a lot of winter left. It might not be record setting cold in February and March. I don't think the polar vortex is going to become so unstable, you know, that we have a February or an early March, you know, cold air outbreak like like we had last year. I just don't see that happening. Now it will get Mm -hmm. cold, but I don't think we'll have that, you know, that, that, that type of cold that shuts down and, and disrupts the, um, the power grid like it did in Texas. Don't think that happens. At least the polar vortex uh, won't be responsible for it. Right now, we're getting the polar vortex stretching, but it's not becoming dislodged. I think what happens now into February is that you'll start to see this active pattern, this below normal temperature pattern start to back off a little bit. I still think you're going to see the southeast ridge, which is very dominant in the La Nina year, which was very dominant in December. I think you're going to start to see that pop again. Now, it won't be a complete you know, mirror image of December because you're in February, not December. Um, But I think that's going to be more of a driver. I think what's going to happen in February and March is that you will have more breaks from the cold. You'll have periods of cold, but you'll also have, I think what's going to happen, the Panhandle storm track is going to become a dominant feature uh, deeper into February and into March, which means I think our chances of seeing more late season wetter snows will start to go up. So that's something that we'll definitely have to watch. And I think the seeds of that, again, the metaphor I've been using a million times, but I think early February, we'll start to see maybe the seeds Mm -hmm. of that. Some of the models, even as we speak, are kind of picking up on that trend heading into February. I think into March as well, we'll probably end up with that type of pattern too. I don't think we'll be able to let go of the the wintry thoughts until we get into April. Not to say that Mm -hmm. we won't have some breaks, as you mentioned, especially in March uh, with uh, the panhandle systems. But this has the potential anyway of allowing even Hopkins Airport to begin to approach closer to the normal point of the snowfall. Uh, and, um, so we'll, we'll see if we can catch up. You think we'll catch up or, or man, yeah, I know that's a tough call, know. isn't it? It's a tough call. I mean, we're at 16 inches right. right now, 18 inches, you know, with a little bit of lake effect. So let's say hypothetically, we get up to 20 with a, some lake effect here last week and this week, that means we'd have to go another 40 mm-hmm. inches. I still think we'll probably end up a little below normal for the season, but I think we will catch up. I think, I think we will at least put a dent in the deficit um, as the La Nina pattern begins to slowly break down into spring and into the summer. And oh, by the way, La Nina, I think what we're going to have happen here is maybe La Nina transitioning to somewhat of an El Nino heading into the latter part of 2022. So there's a little teaser, something to look forward to as we head into uh, uh, the second half of summer into fall. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm jumping way, way ahead but of myself. That's okay, because a lot of people are probably grabbed onto that, that because mm-hmm. La Nina, El Nino, that's the big driver. It's not all of mm-hmm. them because you need, as Dick Goddard used to say, many, many ducks in a row for a particular right. pattern and flavor. Uh, but an El Nino year certainly would be very different from what we've seen uh, between last winter and this winter. It would be very interesting. You know, La Nina winters are all over the place. You look at the type mm-hmm. of storm tracks with these La Nina winters, you get the west to east flow, you get the clipper systems. It's incredibly erratic. You know, El Nino winters, 
depending upon what type of El Nino winter it is, are a little more straightforward. So we'll see how that works out. You know, there's still a lot to digest there. But yeah, I still think there's a lot of winter left with snow. Um, but if we can make it here the next couple of weeks without any sort of big polar vortex, you know, change, uh, that super Arctic air, below zero type air, you know, might be behind us. Not quite mm. yet, but the next couple of weeks, I think we can probably, you know, be a little more definitive in saying whether it's here, whether it's behind us or not. The polar vortex seems to have found a stable home right now in in northern and central Canada. Um, And Mm -hmm. uh, it's not getting dislodged. It's not get Now we're getting little bits and pieces breaking away and heading into the U.S. That's what we're feeling. Um, And 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 thus will be definitively colder than normal maybe even hanging on to sub-freezing temperatures for a period of two, maybe three weeks. We'll see. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. but the intense uh, record-setting cold, I don't think is going to be an issue this year. But, no. but persistently cold, yeah, which means, by the way, Correct. Lake Erie may come very close to shutting down at the end of all of this. You know, it's very interesting because last year, on January 11th of 2021, we had... I'm going to get the numbers close here, about 20% ice mm-hmm. cover. And I'm thinking, man, we're way behind. Mm-hmm. So I did some research and I put it on my weather blog going, okay, in the years that we had 20% ice coverage, and then we went up to 80%, how long did it take? And what were the general conditions present? And virtually all those years, and there were, you know, maybe half a dozen or so, you needed consistently cold air. You needed a week, 10, 14 days with temperatures in the 20s and 30s during the day, low 30s, under freezing, and you needed overnight mm-hmm. lows in the teens. And that's kind of what we're in right right now. So, um, you know, I I know um, on January 17th, we had around like 14% ice coverage roughly. And I I wouldn't be a bit surprised by the end of the month that we could be up to 40, 45% ice coverage or more. Um, Whether or not the big, the the middle of the lake freezes over, that's the big question mark because the water temperature in the middle lake still at 35 Mm -hmm. degrees, but we'll start to squeeze out that hole with more ice here in the next couple of weeks. All right. So there you have it. A hint of what you'll be seeing on Fox 8 News this Thursday, I believe. Uh, stay tuned to Fox 8 and we'll we'll let you know and verify the fact that we'll be unveiling our rest of the winter forecast. And you can always watch. For those of you who are perhaps not in the Cleveland market, you can always go to weatherjazz.com. Click on the Watch Fox 8 tab at the very top and uh, you can actually tune in live. Now, don't forget... If you don't live in the Eastern time zone, you have to make the the computation. Um, right, right, but right. we'll be doing that, I believe, in the 6 p.m. hour in the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. Fox 8 News um, this Thursday, uh, unless you hear otherwise here, perhaps on uh, on Wednesday's update uh, here on Weather Jazz. But you can always watch it no matter where you live in the country or the world for that matter. Just mm-hmm. click on that live tab and you can watch from wherever, right from the comfort of your mm-hmm. living room. Looking forward to it, Andre. Yeah, it's good. It's been an interesting winter. And, um, you know, honestly, the older I get, I kind of like snow like this every once in a while, as long as I don't have to drive in it at one o'clock in the but morning. But you did. <laughs> I did. Oh, that took me an hour. and uh, Usually it takes me 40 minutes. It took me an hour and 15. And that was before it got right, really right. bad. If I would have, if I wouldn't have left the normal, mm-hmm. uh, if I would have left my normal time, um, 
I might not have been able to make it in because the snowfall rates are like two inches an hour and people are just stopping on the interstate, getting out their shovels in the middle of the interstate and shoveling. I mean, I hadn't seen anything like that in a long, long time. So, but it all worked out. It all worked out for, for everybody. And hopefully everybody got home safe and sound that, that day. And the cleanup continued 48 hours after the fact. An interesting little anecdotal story. Um, I ran into Brian Dick uh, yesterday in, in the, uh, of course, we're recording this uh, on a Thursday afternoon, the 20th of January. So this is, this is only three days after the storm. I ran into him and he was telling me that those people that come in very, very early in the morning, in some cases, mm-hmm. the, the night before producers for the morning show uh, for that Monday. And thank goodness it was a holiday. Just imagine right. had it not been with all that traffic on the interstate, it, it would have been an even greater disaster. But he mentioned that everyone parked, they parked their cars. And then after the morning show was done, the snow was pretty much done, but they walked out to a parking lot with their cars completely buried. They couldn't go anywhere until and unless they dug themselves out. And that took yep. one and two hours uh, to dig their own cars out of, of this huge mound of snow. Yeah. One of the engineers came back and said, uh, we had to dig your car out. I go, I go what are you talking about? Because, you know, the weather office isn't isn't near the window. I Really? He goes, oh, yeah, check this out. And sure enough, th- they did it for me because I was still on the air doing the noon show. But, yeah, I hadn't seen wow. anything like that in the parking lot in many, many years. Been a while. So, uh, you know what? That's, I guess, why we live in such a wonderful weather sensitive, wild <laughs> weather uh, climate as Cleveland, because it yep. keeps us employed. That's right. That's right. Job security, especially in, in uh, winters like this. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, makes you makes you makes you dream of um, of spring break <laughs> in San Diego or El Paso, Texas right. or Key West, Florida. I, I was telling Dante yesterday, I said, uh, I'm I'm going to be on my way to Key West, Florida. I'll see you. I'll see you. And he goes, please pack me in your bags. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, thank you very much. Um, we'll we'll do this again as we approach springtime, perhaps, especially mm-hmm. if winter kind of lingers a little bit. This might be mm-hmm. well worth revisiting and, and reassuring folks that, yep, spring mm-hmm. is coming eventually. Eventually always does. Yep, yep. Looking forward to it, Andre. We'll talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and help me to spread the word about this podcast, especially those of you that have a particular interest in seasonal outlooks and tend to be very, very popular episodes here on Weather Jazz. So spread the word to your family and friends, especially those of you that enjoy getting into conversations about the weather and about long range trends. And that will give you a clue as to what to look forward to. As we're progressing through almost now the 1st of February, very, very soon, and perhaps even into March. Now, we're going to have the official rest of the winter forecast on WJW television. And I encourage you to make sure that you tune into Fox 8 News at 6 p.m. And that will be on Thursday, January the 27th. And we'll unroll and unravel all of these little parameters that we talked about, all of the clues that we're still looking at today, and we'll come up with what we think 
we're going to see as we head into February and March. Again, join me, Fox 8 News, at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, January the 27th. If you have a question or a topic suggestion, I welcome your input. You can reach me, and my email address is weatherjazz at yahoo.com. But you can also call me and leave me a voicemail message, and it could be perhaps a topic suggestion or a question, and it could be literally on anything you like, or you just want to say hello and let me know how it is you listen to Weather Jazz. Maybe it's on a run, maybe it's in the car, maybe it's perhaps in a quiet moment when you're enjoying your lunch at work. I'd love to hear about that. The number to call, 234-525-5888. Again, 234-525-5888. And if you miss that information or that's too fast or you can't grab a pen and a piece of paper, not to worry. I always tell everybody, just go to weatherjazz.com whenever you can and click on the Contacts tab at the very top. The result, you'll get all of the information that I just mentioned right here, right at your fingertips. Well, I've got a couple of more episodes that I'm working on for the rest of this week. I hope you will be waiting and ready for them, weatherjazz.com or your favorite podcast app. We'll see you on Wednesday. Weather and science across the globe. Jazz Podcast.